five years from now, what will an Amazon search experience be like? What will e-commerce search in general look like? In this week's interview on the AI and Industry podcast, we talk about the future of product search and what the e-commerce and retail world can prepare for in terms of how websites will have to respond to the requests and to the context of their customers. Our guest this week is Amir Konigsberg, who is the CEO of a company called Twiggle, based in New York, New York. They are a natural language processing company focusing on the e-commerce space. Amir is a PhD from Princeton in cognitive science, now focusing on how do we optimize sort of the language and search experience for people looking to buy products. Amir talks with us about not only what are the current hurdles to making e-commerce and product search work well today and what's being done to overcome them, but most importantly, at the end of the episode, he talks about the elements where improvement is likely to occur in the next five years. How will search improve? What new factors will it take into consideration? What new types of input will it be able to accept? And what are the general dynamics ahead for the future of e-commerce and for online product search. So without further ado, this is Amir with Twiggle here on the AI and Industry Podcast. So Amir, I wanted to start off with addressing some of the current kind of hiccups and challenges in online search and e-commerce. I know that not everybody can always find exactly what they're looking for. Obviously, you built a company around overcoming some of these challenges. Just address what are some of the initial hurdles in making e-commerce search work? Well, it's a great question, and it absolutely is the reason we we built Twiggle. We founded Twiggle. So search is something which is essential in commerce. It's actually the gateway to commerce. It's how consumers express what they want. Uh, and if they don't find what they want when they express it, um, they're not going to buy anything. So it's a really big problem if it doesn't work. Now, the problem is that today's search engines, they take a catalog of products, which is represented by a collection of structured or unstructured text, and a search engine creates an index uh, that maps every word to product descriptions uh, that contain that word when a user searches for something. Now, when a user performs a search, the search engine retrieves the results containing the user's search keywords, and then it uses some kind of method to rank the results, and then it presents the top rank results back to the user. Unfortunately, this approach doesn't always deliver relevant results. Now, the problem is that the search technologies and the search engines which perform that search are actually looking at the words that people type, and they're looking at the the words that describe products, and they're trying to create a match. Now, in many, many cases, um, you're actually using words that describe other products, and those other products often appear. And trying to optimize that process is very difficult, especially when you get into catalogs of hundreds of thousands and hundreds of millions of products that get updated all the time. And sometimes people invest in, in, in curating particular data. Sometimes they invest in optimizing the search. But in most cases, it's a best guess process. It's not a foolproof process, and it's a process that has to be continually optimized. Twiggle solves this problem by adding a key step to the process, which is understanding both queries and understanding products. Our mission as a company is really to leverage AI to help computers help people. Uh, We help search engines understand human beings, and specifically we do that in an e-commerce 
scenario. If you yeah, don't mind, sure. Amir, just to dive into the questions here, just because we, we couldn't make it a, a commercial about the, the company itself, although I am certainly interested sure. in, in diving into the nuances of how this is being improved. Clearly, that's where sure. your value prop comes in and what you do. Just to address kind of the issues you've mentioned, I really want to paint a, a clear picture for the audience of what are the hiccups here when people are searching. You brought up an interesting point. When you're searching for product A, some of those terms are used directly to search for product B. So, you know, if you type in something like a, a blue dress shirt, maybe yep. a blue dresses are going to show up and also dress shirts are going to show up. And also, you know, it's sort of that gets a little bit discombobulated. I guess if, if it's possible, Amir, just because you've seen so many more of these than probably, you know, almost anybody tuned in, what are some of those hiccup causing instances, just so people can get a, a clear idea. Because I bet a lot of people, when you articulate them, are going to say, that happened to me. So I'm interested in some examples of where these hiccups happen. A fantastic. So you actually gave a fantastic example. Let's take blue dress shirt. If you were to walk into a physical shop and ask for a blue dress shirt, the person would hand you, if they have one in stock, a blue dress shirt. What happens when you actually type that into a search engine, in 90% of the cases, you'd actually get back dresses you might get back shirts, but you don't necessarily get back a dress shirt because the concept of dress shirt is not necessarily something that that search engine would know yeah. because it would have to know many, many things. That's just one example. Think about things like a bike helmet. Okay, it's pretty, it's obvious, it's trivial to any human who hears oh, yeah. a bike helmet. Obviously, the product here is a, is a helmet. But if you type that into many search engines, you're going to see bikes. Okay, and um, for a search engine to know that when you're searching for a bike helmet, you're actually searching for a helmet, it has to know that the word bike describes the helmet yeah, as opposed yeah. to, for instance, a motorbike helmet. That's something which seems very easy, but it's actually very, very difficult. Think about another scenario. Think about a scenario where you search for a uh, sleeveless shirt or shirt with no sleeves. For a search engine to give you what you're asking for, it has to know that you're actually looking for a shirt that doesn't have something. It has to know how to handle a situation where you're telling a search engine what you don't want. Yeah. You don't want sleeves. And that's yeah, a very yeah. complex thing to do. And mm -hmm. you'll see situations where, in most cases, a search engine will then give you back the exact, exact thing that you don't want because it doesn't understand negation. Understood. So, yeah, these, so if you say blue yeah. shirt, you're adding something. But if you say sleeveless or, I don't know, zipperless pants or something, you know, pants that just have buttons or whatever the case may be, like you had mentioned, these are ways of framing things verbally that may not be just as easy as, oh, I put item A next to item B next to item C and bada bing, I have a new answer here. It sounds like it's it, negation is, is a much more challenging kind of verbal guessing game for a machine. Absolutely. And it's actually something we do a lot. So, I mean, there are many scenarios here. Think about looking for a chair with no back, okay, or a, or a seat without leather. Or These are things we do all the time. The reason that we don't do this so often online or when we talk, when we type into search engines is because we've just become used to the fact that search engines can't handle um, queries with more than one or two words. And that's a big shame. Essentially, we actually have to type into search engines today, and we have to think about what they're likely to understand. Then we have to rephrase ourselves so they understand us. What, yeah. what the challenge here is really leveraging artificial intelligence, leveraging 
natural language processing technologies to put the burden of understanding on the search engine and not the burden of rephrasing yourself to the consumer. We want to make things easy for the person to talk to the computer when they're trying to buy stuff. Yeah, and that's hard to argue with. I think everybody would say that that's how it should be, right? In, a, in an ideal world here, I think everyone could agree with that. I think that right now, just what you're saying is also what people do to Siri, right? There's certain sentences you don't say to Siri. You say, you know, pizza shop near me. You know, you would say something in, in a certain formatted, simple way where, you know, it's less likely to be taken out of context or be confused. Absolutely. And I, I bet people do the same thing in e-commerce, it sounds like. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's exactly what happens. You know, I used to work before I before I founded this company. I actually used to work in the um, automotive sector, and in that scenario, people were building systems which for for speech systems for in vehicles, right? And and one of the key challenges was identifying what people are talking about. So just like the pizza scenario you described for Siri, think about if you're in a car and you say, you know, I'm looking for Chinese now. You're probably talking about Chinese food, yes. but for a search for a search engine or for a speech engine to actually recognize that, they have to make some pretty big guesses here about what you're likely talking about, and that's a very difficult thing to do. Yeah, uh, and so maybe now we can get into some of the approaches and ways to overcome some of these hurdles. Clearly, this is the niche that you've buckled down to. I think it's it's interesting that instead of building better search broadly, you focused on sort of the subdomain of e-commerce, which makes sense in terms of a niche that's going to be willing to pay for this kind of improvement. Um, but talk a bit about, Amir, what are some of the, at least you know, at a high level, theoretical level, ways of working around these problems? Yeah. So, I mean, you pointed out to the fact that we were actually verticalized. Yes. So we're focusing on one area. It's actually a big area. But if you actually look at the, I mean, look around today at the applications or services or technologies which you can really genuinely call intelligent there are actually very few of those and you'll actually find that the ones that are actually very very good are actually very very focused on a specific area because it's difficult to create something which is essentially a general intelligent technology that yeah. can basically be smart in everything it's just well, like yeah. finding a smart person that is smart at everything is difficult so the approach that we use and many other companies that, that apply various forms of artificial intelligence is, is gaining knowledge and expertise in a particular domain. So in the e-commerce space, what that actually means is it means learning everything there is to know about e-commerce, and that means learning about e-commerce products um, to a very, very deep level. That means taking every single product, all the data there is, about every single product being sold and collecting it, structuring that data, cleaning that data up, normalizing all the information about it, finding out all the linguistic expressions in which you can describe a quality, an attribute, a feature, a name of a particular product, and finding a way to structure all that so it can be used in different scenarios. Then, what you have to also do is understand and build technologies that can actually understand the specific language used in a retail scenario. So there are particular forms of language that, uh, that people use to describe products, express what they want about products, express their shopping needs. You have to find out and understand all the linguistic forms, the way people express their intent. 
Once you have technologies that do both of those things, they're able to understand the language people express and they understand the language of products, you're able to create technologies that match these two things. And that can only really happen in a scenario where you're focused on one area, such as retail. If you were to spread out everywhere, you would have too much knowledge and too many tasks to be able to become really, really, really good. And I'm going to pause if it's okay, Amira. I want people to be able to digest your insight there because clearly, you know, you've spent a lot of time in this field. You're building, you know, a company and putting yourself uh, on the line with regards to this technology. And you're mirroring an insight that we've heard before from people who are very well academically schooled in the NLP world, the conversational interface world, which is, you know, nobody tackles it all right now from um, customer service to, you know, sales enablement applications, really being able to buckle down and own a specific space implies understanding so much context, so much uh, use cases and tenses and feedback and iteration that really mastering a domain, at least at, you know, to, to some degree is somewhat viable, but mastering the ability to understand all domains is very much not what present AI does. Um, and, and it sounds like you're, you're sort of reiterating that point as maybe part of why you've knuckled down to retail. Now, what makes me think here, Amir, is, you know, even in retail, wow, you have a lot to juggle there. I mean, if you're, if you're selling car parts or you're selling furniture or you're selling clothing, my goodness, you know, we're looking at kind of different types of purchases and different items. Like, did you initially have to knuckle down just in the world of apparel, for example, or because it's e-commerce, because it's not like complicated phone sale stuff, you just figured out enough about context for an online order that you were able to sort of wrap around retail writ large. I want to get an understanding of kind of the narrowness versus width of what's viable. That's a great question. So, no, we didn't. It's not a general. I mean, there are elements of this that generalize. But you do actually, we did have to, and you do have to understand product categories um, in depth, and, yeah. and they're different. So you have to understand the nuances that define not only in the difference in the products between, let's say, fashion and electronics and home, you actually have to understand the different ways in which people shop and the different ways in people search in those domains. At the end of the day, Search is about people, and that's what's fascinating about it. It's uh, it's to do good search, to provide good search. You don't only have to have uh, the best possible technologies in the search area. You also have to have a very good understanding of people, uh, because you know when they can search for electronics, when they search for an electronic device for a TV, they can actually be very specific about stuff. They can go down to a very technical level, even if they're not a technical person. Whereas in other areas, you know, other areas, people are looking at more visual data. They're not necessarily looking for, you know, when, when you're thinking, when you're buying a computer, you might want to look at what it looks like. But when you're inquiring about its camera, you're not going to actually look at a picture of its camera and examine its camera, right? But when you're buying a shirt, you actually want to see it from different angles, yeah. perhaps. You want to see its buttons. So people behave differently in different domains. They search differently in different domains. And you have to understand those differences. So we use we use technologies that are generalizable. And they learn. And they model each domain in the, uh, in the language that relates to it. And in the kind of human judgment that relates to 
kind of searching and searching and uh, looking for information and making decisions in that specific retail domain. Got it. And in that sense, searching for washing machines and searching for shirts, two completely different things. Yes. And and I think that um, just for the audience to get an understanding of, I think it's very common for you know vendors, folks like yourself, out there in the wacky wild world of artificial intelligence, media, and press, uh, that you know it's very easy to sort of say that AI has some, you know, that there's a general ability that sort of this can be applied to anything in any way for the first time and kind of work off the bat. I, I really haven't heard anybody in the NLP space uh, who knows what they're talking about be able to confirm that. It really does seem like mastery of a domain is specific, is niche specific, requires a lot of iteration and is not necessarily easy. And I can imagine for a company like yours, you know, the 25th company who sells, you know, pants and shirts is, you know, a little bit of a smoother right off the bat transition than maybe the first company that sells aftermarket tractor parts. Uh, Because it's just, you're going to have a couple new things to learn. And that's just how the systems work. It's where things are today. And I think maybe it's important for people to understand that. I just want to make sure I get your confirmation on, on my supposition there. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely agree. You know, sometimes people perceive this as a type of magic where you just, you know, throw a piece of code into a data set and something amazing comes out. That that for something amazing to come out, a lot of hard work is needed and yeah, specialization. Yeah. yeah. And and that's an yeah, I absolutely agree. Awesome. Okay. And I, I know because we're we're somewhat limited on time, but I had a last question here, Amir, and I think you're about as good a person to ask this as anybody. You know, people contemplate what is the relevance and sort of the future of search. I, I know what a Google search looks like now. I know what an Amazon search looks like now. I know what a search looks like at other places. Generally, I think every other company is getting compared to Google or Amazon because they're probably the best known, you know, reply machines in the universe. Amazon for products, Google for just knowledge in general. When when you think about five years from now, obviously your company is about more than just trying to keep up with Amazon. I mean, presumably you you know you'd like to be on the cutting edge of this. When you think five years ahead, where product search will be, if I show up on a random website, I don't care if it's Amazon or I don't care if it's some cutting edge company in Boston or London or whatever, and I land on an e-commerce site, how is search going to be half a decade in the future that's different from how it is today? What, what maybe will be altered to give me better responses, maybe further encourage conversion? How will search evolve? Um, that's something we obviously think about a lot. Um, and it's really interesting. And, and to be honest, I'm very excited about this. So if I had to say one thing where I hope it will be and where it will be, I'd say it will be easier because it's not easy today. Mm. You know, 40% of people just drop off if they have a bad experience that shouldn't happen. Okay. So what I do expect for to happen is that first of all, the experience itself is a lot more assistive. You know, some, a lot of people are talking today about assistance. Siri-like devices that yes. will be around everywhere. I that that is already happening. For that to be something that people use ninety-five percent of the time, it has to be very, very, very good. I believe that will happen in the space of you know five years, six years, perhaps. We will have many more very good assistants. But I think search experience on retail will be a lot more assistive. It will guide you to where you need to go. You won't have to work as hard. Today, we search, and then we research, and then we research, and then we filter, and then we try and sieve through results. It will be a lot more like asking a question and getting an answer. 
Okay. Um, so you can actually even ask for a, you can be very, very specific about what you want. You can say, I'm looking for a laptop. I need it for business. It has to be lightweight and I don't want to spend more than a thousand bucks. And you should get back one or two results, which Got are exactly it. what you wanted to. And that should take into account what you've asked for, who you are and what you're most likely to buy. And they should be really good results that you would genuinely buy. And, and it should be a scenario where you get that and then you don't need to go back to Google and then check on Wikipedia, go to CNET, and you should have all the information you need to make a decision right there in front of you. Um, the technologies are around today for that. They just have to be synthesized in the right way and delivered in the right way. Another very important thing is that the search experience and the I think the whole the whole process of uh, you know, starting to uh, research a product until you actually buy it will be a lot more inspiring. Um, and I hope that it will be a lot more verticalized. So what I mean by inspiring, the whole experience should actually be fun. It should be enjoyable. It shouldn't be cumbersome. Enjoyable can be many things. Enjoyable could be sieving through products, browsing like an in-store in shopping experience, but in yeah. a more sophisticated way. Um, verticalized means that each you know, searching for a product in fashion could and should be different than searching for a washing machine in the home appliances area. Each of those things, you know, when we talk to a person about washing machines, we ask completely different questions than we do when, we, when we're looking for a jacket. And search should reflect that, and so should the results that we get and the guidance that we get. So I say those are the key things that will be different, and everything should be a lot faster and easier. I'm going to try to congeal some of what you've said and paint it in a tight picture and then just get your confirmation that I'm on the right page. You mentioned a lot there in terms of what might change. Here's some things that I sort of had jotted down, one of which is that you know the natural way you would just explain what the heck you're looking for is probably what you're going to be able to search with. So maybe that's via voice, maybe it's via text, but like you said, I need a laptop, it's got to be lightweight, you know. It's got to fit in a small book bag, you know, you know, just use the word small instead of typing in exactly the size or whatever. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to spend more than a thousand bucks. And that that kind of natural language can be congealed into its constituent parts and presented with an answer instead of people having, having to type robotically. So drinking in information in the way that humans normally would throw it out. Uh, is kind of one element you talked about. Another element was that it would take into account maybe what you've searched before and who you are. So this is sort of some context-related uh, stuff that maybe uh, isn't being taken into account now. Maybe Amazon knows what I've searched in the past, so they can suggest relevant things. But really, most e-commerce sites don't. It sounds like you were pointing to the fact that maybe context on the user, context on their history will be used to inform search. And it sounds like maybe you see that as more the norm moving forward. So you made a really, really good point here. So yes, you're right. Amazon does have that data, but that data isn't shared. Okay. So companies other than Amazon don't have that data. And yeah, that data is a big, big all. advantage. Yes. Winner takes all. But what I've just mentioned, these two strategies of understanding shoppers better and you know providing them what they want at the right time, these are two ways to actually win back those customers uh, and level that playing field. And, and it's completely possible to do that without the type of data that Amazon has collected. And this is exactly where technologies such as natural language processing come in. They don't need the type of repetitive shopping behavior to be able to provide fantastic results. 
And this is really a, a core and very, very important factor about these technologies. Yeah. As a, small, yeah. a small business can now compete with the search quality of Amazon if it wants to. That, that would be, I think, the golden dream. Of course, it doesn't hurt that Amazon gets the volume of data that they do. Uh, certainly doesn't hurt. But at the same time, if technology can level the playing field by finding those vertical-specific shortcuts and intentions and context and being able to deliver that right out of the box, even if you're a brand-new e-commerce site, that's a world of difference than having a completely crappy experience compared to Amazon. So completely with you on that. Uh, so cool. Hopefully that paints a decent kind of future picture for the people tuned in. I did just want to clarify that. And Amir, I appreciate you taking the time to share your insights with the audience here at AI and Industry. So thanks so much. Sure. Thank you for having me. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, most of our podcast listeners get uh, the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. Uh, I'm Dan Figella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week.